especially for men, it's very hard for them to open up. So if a man opens up to you about something, you're like, bro, really? It's not that deep. Like, let's be serious. That could be very, very damaging. Welcome to Return to Source, a podcast where we explore culture and creativity, healing and heritage. I'm your host, Araba Oforiakwa. It's my intention to take you on a journey of discovering how ancestral knowledge can help my guests, me and you live well and live out our divine destinies. Ready? Let's go. Welcome or welcome back to Return to Source pod. This week we're talking to Zhu, aka the Ghanaian vegan. He is a multi-channel content creator and influencer and the plug for all things vegan in Ghana. This conversation obviously centers a little bit around veganism, but we also talk about men's mental health and a ton of other really interesting things. I loved this interview and I hope you do too. Alrighty, hello Zoo. Welcome to Return to Source Podcast. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. So thank you for agreeing to join. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it myself. Okay, cool. So let's go straight into the first question. So this is one that I ask everyone who comes onto the podcast. And that question is, which aspect of your heritage has had the biggest influence on your work? Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a very interesting question. Um, and I think it requires a lot of thought. For me, I've been like, a, I'm a pretty modern Ghanaian kid you know, grew up, born and raised in Accra. Um, but I, I still have um, experienced a lot of my heritage at home, even though I've lived in the city um, all my life. Mm-hmm. So thinking about how it affects my work or, like, influences my work, it's hard to say, you know. But I, I yeah. would say I would say maybe I think something that a lot of Ghanaians would agree with is that most of us are very industrious and like persevering you know so maybe if I had to mm-hmm. give an answer maybe something like that yeah that's what I would say so kind of like work ethic and yeah I guess in, yeah. is it kind of like innovation like always finding a solution to problems exactly yes I would say that you always have to find a way to make it work Right, because that's definitely something I feel like I see every time I step out of my apartment. Like, there's always some, yeah. like, strange solution to a problem, like, that yeah. I would never think of. But somehow, some way, like, Ghanaians will always make it work. Exactly. So when you were talking about living in Accra, you mentioned home as if home is somewhere else. So uh, is your family from a different area and then you live in Accra? Yeah, so traditionally or originally, my family is from the Volta region. But uh, I would say my grandparents maybe moved to Accra. And yeah, so we've, okay. we've been here ever since. I have was born and raised here. My my mom was born and raised here as well. So I would say Accra is home, but then you always know that there's another home away from home. Mm, yeah that makes sense do you feel do you feel like any connection to the Volta region uh not particularly but then when I meet people who are also from there we do tend to connect on various like just like levels of you know um 
say we've had similar experiences with family you'll say this mm-hmm. your family does this oh my family does that too you know that type of thing but mm. yeah in terms of yeah like, me i haven't really lived there for a long time before i think the longest i've ever spent there was like a week so okay yeah beyond that i don't really have a strong connection okay yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, you, you're saying that the biggest influence is basically like being able to find solutions to problems, right? So I would love for mm-hmm. you to tell us a little bit about the work that you do and, um, you know, some of the challenges that you've had to overcome to be able to do this work. Okay, so I do a lot of things. Um, primarily, I'll say the, the things people know me the most for are I am a food influencer and I'm also a podcaster. So mm-hmm. I also have a podcast um, and I'm a photographer. Mm-hmm. So those are the three, I would say the three main things I do. Um, and yeah, I think some of the largest problems okay. I have faced and people in similar fields I've faced is say a lack of resources or lack of access to resources. So I remember when I started, when I started doing making food content, before I I bought a tripod. I didn't want to buy a tripod for my phone. But I'm like, mm. so I was trying to figure it out. Like, how can I do this without a tripod? Because I don't feel like I need a tripod, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it led yeah. to me, like, delicately balancing my phone on top of books and, you know, trying to find yeah, things, like, yeah. angle it at Been the right there. position. You know? Yeah, so that's kind of how I would say you just find a way to make it work and then eventually i'm like you know what this is this is upset let me just get let me just get tripod yeah that's the thing you always end up doing the thing that you were trying to avoid anyway but it's fun trying to find the other solutions in the meantime you know but yeah i think the main thing is like not having resources but still finding a way to make it work so because i was doing stuff with that balancing balancing my phone and stuff on all sorts of things and people like oh my god this video is so good i was like bro you don't know what i went through to make this video (laughs) okay so i feel like um you know that Ghanaian um character of basically just always finding solutions to problems and also you know in other words creativity and innovation right I feel like you also see that very much in Accra, or at least like in our circle of Accra, where no one has one answer to the question, what do you do for a living? Like everyone does like three, four, five different things. I actually had no idea you were a photographer as well. Um, So yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you, how you manage each of your different um, you know your different projects and also if you feel like your culture um, you know your Ghanaian culture if you feel like they show through any of the any of those projects and if so how okay so starting with I guess starting with how I manage um, you kind of you kind of just take every day as it comes um, there'll be times where you have more to do or for me I have more to do on the photography side than the other things and then there's times where I have more, more to do on the food influencing side and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. you kind of just take each day or each challenge as it comes and, you know, just basically do your best. I think mm-hmm. even looking at, say, our parents' generation and the generation before that, I think this is a 
it's definitely a Ghanaian thing, especially for the women, because they always tend to have more than one thing that they do. You know, there's mm. always, um, let me not say always, but for most people, um, you'd find out that they've done several things in their life before maybe they settled on one thing that worked for them. Right. So I'm inclined to say like it's a Ghanaian thing, but obviously I don't know for sure. <laughs> I haven't really looked into it, but yeah. I know what you mean. Like to, yeah, we definitely like to try a lot of things and um, see what works for us. Okay, side note. Something I should have mentioned here is that according to the MasterCard Index of Women Entrepreneurs, Ghana actually has one of the highest rates of female entrepreneurship in the world. It's actually in the top three, along with Botswana and Uganda. So what Zoo saying is absolutely correct. And if you've ever been to a market in Ghana, then you've definitely seen this with your own eyes. Okay, back to the interview. And I guess with the, your second question, which was... um. Like, I guess, how does my culture kind of show through the yeah. things I do? Yeah. Um, I think definitely for, I think it shows through the most with photography, I would say. And it shows through everything. But for photography, I'm just obsessed. I have been obsessed with, like, capturing Blacks, capturing Ghanaians in, you know, how do I say natural habitats without making it sound like <laughs> Not like photography, but like, yeah, you know, just doing things that they, they do on the normal, like... Yeah, like just yeah, living life. Living life, exactly, yeah. Um, I think I have been really interested in capturing just Ghanaians, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My podcast as well is about life in Accra, so that's that's easy to show the Ghanaian side yeah. on that point. And then, and then my food influencing is literally about being vegan in ghana so um mm-hmm. it wasn't intentional to like show my culture through my work but it's been kind of it just happened and i guess it's part of who i am so yeah mm, yeah that makes sense um let's talk about the Ghanaian vegan actually because uh first of all i would love to know how you even became a vegan like what was that transition like if it was a transition maybe you were raised vegan i'm not sure no i wasn't i wasn't yeah i would have been surprised I decided to, <laughs> yeah so how did i become vegan? that's a good question um i guess let me just start from the beginning so i remember around i want to say 2010 I saw on I don't know have you heard of Nine Gag? Yeah, I haven't like yeah. frequented, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was a big thing. I'd say like twenty ten mm-hmm. when I was still in high school, and I used to go on there and just like look at the memes and laugh and you know mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. I remember one day I went on and then they were showing they were talking about vegans, but then. It was in my mind. I was like, "What kind of white people? Like, right, this? like why? Right. Why are they not eating? You know, it was so strange to me. I'm like, ah, oh, these white people again. <laughs> so that was like my first introduction, you know. Yeah. To, uh, and this was it was nine gags. So they were making a joke about it. So I just laughed at the joke. Right. Like, these guys are not serious. Right. Yeah. And then yeah, fast forward maybe six years later. Um, at the time I was getting very very interested in my health like trying to be healthy mm-hmm. working out trying to live my best life physically and one of my friends moved to england 
mm-hmm. and he was a, like me and him used to we used to go out and get food at buffets and would load up our place with meat and you know like i was a big meat eater before i switched you know yeah so he came back and he was like he was a big guy he was a really big guy and he came back to ghana after a short stay in england and he had lost so much weight i was like bro is, it, is everything okay what's going on wow. it's like bro yeah it was, it was quite strange so he was like um oh i just went vegan i was like huh because at that point my my um introduction to veganism at that point was still the thing I saw on Nine Guy. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what? I mean, why are you going? I, I know you went to the white man's land, but you, know, why are you... <laughs> you didn't have to you change to all the them. way. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So he's like, no, no, no. He explained it to me. I was like, okay, that doesn't sound that bad. Because even at that point, I wasn't really eating. I'd kind of toned it down because, like I said, I was trying to be healthier and trying yeah. to make more healthy decisions. Um, I was like, okay, cool. But it doesn't sound like something I can do in Ghana. So, you know, mm. you enjoy. If I ever join you out there, I'll do it. I'll right, try it. Right, I can't right. Do it. Yeah, like it's not compatible. Yeah, then, exactly, yeah. And then I just, from then on, I started meeting more and more people who were doing it in Ghana. Mm-hmm. Although some of them were friends, some of them were strangers. It's like, wow, people are actually doing it here. That's strange. Mm. Let me try it. Um, so, yeah, long story short, it took me quite a while to transition and i was really just doing it out of curiosity mm-hmm. at that point because i wasn't really still on my healthy journey at the time but like i just wanted to see because I, i'd heard so many good things and i started i started watching them documentaries and so on i was like mm, let me try this and let me see what it's like mm-hmm. so um i began to transition and by 2019 I think it was in 2019 that I finished and I just really felt so good. And I'm like, you know what, let me just, let me just stick to it. Let me just keep doing this. Interesting. So yeah, that's how it worked for me. So you really felt the difference in terms of like your health or was it your energy? Like what, what was it that you were feeling? Yeah, I definitely felt, it's hard to say because I think I was healthy before, mm-hmm. but I felt healthier, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Which was, I found that strange. And yeah, with the energy thing, I felt a lot of like, I don't know, like extra energy. Like I had an extra bounce. I felt lighter. I just felt different, you know. And I was like, oh, I like this. Let me yeah. keep doing this. So, yeah, that's what it was for me. Yeah. And that was after doing it for how long? Um, honestly, that was even during my trans because I the way I tra- transitioned, I took stuff out of my diet slowly. Yeah. You know, so I took um. And it started at the beginning because the first thing I dropped was dairy, like dairy products. Mm-hmm. Which and I think is pretty easy on, in a Ghanaian diet anyway, right? We don't really have that much exactly, dairy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the only things I really dropped were um, milk and cheese, I would say. Those were the mm-hmm. two main things that I dropped. Okay. I wasn't really eating anything else. Yeah. Any other dairy products at the time, yeah. So that was... And then, yeah, so after I dropped those, I just felt better you know even my skin started to clear up and all those things so um yeah it wasn't wasn't hard once i saw and i felt different it was it wasn't hard for me to stick to it mm. 
Okay, so that's how you transitioned to veganism. So now tell us a little bit about being vegan in Ghana because, um, you know, I'm not vegan or vegetarian, but I eat a mostly vegetarian diet. So when I go out to eat, a lot of the time I'll just say I'm vegetarian because I want a dish that doesn't have meat in it. And it is honestly so funny. Like I have been offered all kinds of things that are still meat, but people will be like, oh, but it's only small meat or, oh, but this one is soft. And I'm like, yeah. but I said I don't eat meat. So talk to me yeah, a little yeah. bit about actually the practicalities of being vegan in Ghana and how you make it work. Okay. Um, I can relate. I can definitely relate to the, you know, how people were, how people behave to you. And like, oh, it's not that deep. Oh, if you eat meat, will you die? Yeah. It's not that, you know, <laughs> Definitely that type of thing happens. Yeah, it happens to me a lot. Um but I think once you're able to move past how people behave, um, it's definitely doable. It's mm-hmm. definitely doable. You just need to know as well where to get your food. Right. So once you figure that out and then you just know that you're going to get a lot of uh dumb questions, mm. basically, you'll be fine. So once you're ready for those you'll be fine. It's not, it's, I don't think it's a hard thing to do. It's definitely different and it's definitely harder yeah. than eating because now you can't, eat, you can't just eat anywhere. You have to know where to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's definitely harder, but it's not hard. I hear that you. Makes sense. I hear you. It takes effort, but it's like it, once you're willing to put in a little bit of effort, it's not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and exactly. thanks to your platform, the Ghanaian vegan, it's also really easy to see, not just recipes, but also the different places that you can order from or go to eat. So I'll definitely post that in the show notes so people can follow you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so another question on veganism. (laughs) So I personally don't necessarily think that um, going vegan is the best diet for everyone or for the planet or for, you know, all these different things, reasons that people have for it. I don't, It's not that I think it's bad, but I just don't necessarily think that it's the best. But I noticed that, at least in the West, there seems to be like a sense of self-righteousness that comes with being vegan. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people Mm -hmm. um, who turn vegan say that they're saving the planet or they kind of shame other people for not being vegan. Um, So I wanted to know from you, first of all, is your veganism strictly for diet or is it also about your lifestyle like do you not buy leather goods and stuff like that and then also is it something that you think more of us should be doing or that it's just something that maybe people should try and see if it works for them okay so um you let me go with your first question first um for me starting with health because like i said i tried it and i felt good so okay let me just keep doing this Mm -hmm. because i feel good um, but then, you know, the thing is you start to learn more and more about um, why certain people feel the way they feel about veganism. So like you said, with how people feel in the West and they feel very self-righteous and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I began to understand why they feel that way because it actually does, because um, animal agriculture is one of the biggest contributors to, you know, global warming and all those things. Mm-hmm. So the idea is once you you yourself stop supporting or stop engaging in animal agriculture. So you're not participating anymore. Mm -hmm. 
your carbon footprint goes down. So that's why people feel like they are um, helping the environment and so on, which I, I guess is true. Mm-hmm. But then I always say to people, um, especially for me, I literally just three years, let me say four years ago, I was eating meat, you know, and if you told me four years ago to stop eating meat, I'll be like, please don't tell me that rubbish. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? So, <laughs> so yeah, I think people, especially like you said, in the West, people don't have a lot of patience for people who are not vegan and they want them to turn vegan. It's like, mm. they're very aggressive. And I'm like, if you want, if someone came to me at, the, at that time when I, it was starting to cross my mind and I was thinking about it and they were very aggressive with it and, you know, doing all these theatrics, I would, I doubt, I doubt I would have joined. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. I doubt it would have changed. Yeah. That would kind of put me off, you know, so yeah. to speak. So, um, yeah. And then I guess with your point about, veganism going beyond food um i do i do what i can where i can right um i don't i don't buy leather anymore but i still own leather that i bought before i transitioned mm-hmm. you know i now i prefer to buy like full leather right or you know just something made of other materials because you know i i have the feeling or have the belief that you know it's kind of like every little action makes a difference you know small small drops make an ocean you know that type of thing so um i definitely do my best not to participate in um say animal agriculture animal Mm -hmm. fashion you know that type of thing Mm -hmm. but to some level it's kind of unavoidable especially out here in ghana where we don't have a lot of options a lot of like explicitly vegan options a lot of things are vegan by accident yeah you know yeah you don't go to the shop and see a lot of things that have like vegan like right Right. there on the label like you kind of have to read the ingredients and find stuff out so yeah um i do what i can but i will never say i'm perfect at it yeah um and i forgot your last question yeah um it's about i was basically saying do you feel like do you try and encourage other people to also go vegan or do you like, do you think everyone should be vegan basically? I think if you can, you should, but I agree with you that not everybody can. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it really depends on so much. It depends on where you live. It depends on your income. Mm-hmm. It depends on your health. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I would never, you know, like hold someone to like really high standards and be like why aren't you vegan da, 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 da. because really i don't know why I like if they haven't told me it's like i don't know why they haven't decided to switch Do you know yeah what I mean? everybody has their own reasons right yeah. right okay yeah. that makes sense and i think also the, the the challenge that i have around um you know this idea that we should all turn vegan so that we're all doing our part to save the planet is mm-hmm. I think we have to recognize that there's so many aspects to saving the planet. <laughs> like, of course there's the environmental yeah. aspect, but there's also the human aspect. And I think this yeah. is something that is different depending where you are. But let's say in the West, for example, if someone is um, vegan, maybe they like live on their own farm and, they grow their own vegetables and blah 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 yeah they've done a lot for the planet but what have they done for um for example people of color what have they done for women's rights what have they done for lgbtq rights 
Um, and I just think to say that you're, um, you know, saving the planet so that it's still here for your great great grandchildren is definitely a noble cause. But I don't think it's any more noble than someone else who is not vegan but spends their whole life fighting for social justice, for example. And so that's one of yeah. the challenges that I have with it. And then also, I think, I think just like with so many things, the West creates a problem, and then somehow uh, the rest of the world is also expected to contribute to the solution when it's like we're still trying to fix our own yeah. stuff from the repercussions of colonialism and stuff. So, for example, being here in Ghana, I think it's much more important to buy locally and support local businesses, mm -hmm. even if that sometimes means that you're not buying vegan, for example. Like faux leather, for example, if you're to buy faux leather, it's definitely made outside of Ghana. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I would much rather yeah. buy something made from, made from leather by one of our local artisans. That's how I personally feel about okay. it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, actually. I agree with you. Um, there's not many things we can do out here. Um, but I still do believe that one of the things, one of the main things we can do is through our food. And I always tell people, it's like, you don't need to go... I'm Like, I'm not saying to people, go vegan, like, stop meat, go mm -hmm. vegan. But I always say, like, at least, at least you can, like, reduce your, you know, your meat intake. Mm -hmm. like, like what you said, you said you eat mostly vegetarian yeah. which i think is a good step like that's something you're making at least some efforts or you know making some type of change yeah. You know what I mean? yeah and i think all these things add up they add up over the years um so if say you were eating meat every day compared to how you eat now after like 20 years mm -hmm. you know there's a there's a huge difference there yeah you know? for sure so for yeah sure. and i definitely I think we we as a people overeat meat definitely and that also you know yeah. according to some also has its roots in um colonialism because it was like a sign of wealth yes. so then it turned into yes. like a status thing and now we've just continued it even though we don't need to do it yeah i agree with that actually i really 100 percent agree with that thought Okay, cool. So I think we've talked enough <laughs> enough about um, diet for now and about veganism for now. Um, I would love to know a little bit more if you're open to sharing about your spiritual beliefs and if they have any influence on the way that you do your work and the way that you show up. Um, okay, so I was born into a Christian family. You know, as I think most, I think Ghana is like 70% Christian. So that's, I would think that's a surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've, I went to church for most of my life. Um, right now, I am very much of the belief that um, I'm more, in, like you said, more interested in like spiritual, a spiritual lifestyle as opposed to like a religious lifestyle. Right. Which I think is two very two very different things yeah, yeah so, i agree um this is a very interesting question because I, i've actually never properly considered how my spirituality um affects my everyday life you know what mm -hmm. i mean like how 
I relate to people, how I work, how I do everything. It hasn't, I've never really thought about it. I think definitely, definitely, um, like I said, I grew up in, you know, going to church and all those things. Definitely that experience and that aspect of my life has shaped how I think for sure has. Um, so there's things that I would kind of, you know, like think I would think twice or three times before doing or mm-hmm. before engaging in mm-hmm. with regards to like social life, with regards to work, everything. And yeah, that I think a lot of the time I've realized that, um, for me and for others, a lot of the time that kind of comes from like just not knowing what it is, you know. Mm. I think that's another problem with religion is that it kind of keeps people within a box. It's like this is what you know and this is what you should stick to. Everything else is bad. Right. It's very you fear-based, know? isn't it? It's like fear of the unknown. Yes, yes. Exactly. Exactly. So I mean I'm at the point where like um I'm I kind of see myself as someone who knows nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to unlearn things I've known my whole life and relearn. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not sure how... It's hard to answer how it affects my work and how it affects, you know, like you said, how I show up. But then, um, yeah, I think I'm just more on, like, a unlearning and relearning journey right now, yeah. Can you tell us, like, a little bit about... Maybe, actually, what... First of all, what even... I guess, you know, people like to use the phrase woke up. What kind of made you wake yeah. up to the fact that you even needed to go on a journey of unlearning and relearning? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, it's hard to pick like one specific thing, but I think it was just growing, when you, as you grow up and you start to know more, you start to consume more like news and mm. read more articles and all that type of thing. I think for me, the main things were like, just learning more about slavery and the mm. connection that religion and Christianity itself had right. with the slave trade and with the colonial times, the colonial leaders with relation to Accra, with relation to Ghana, right. Africa. Right. I think those were the main things that made me go like, huh, <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, that's odd. Let me, you know, rethink. Let me read more. Let me know about this. Let me know about that. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what kind of led me to start you know unlearning everything and relearning everything yeah. and would you say that that happened after school i think it happened during it started during school okay it started during school i think it's, it's been a long journey for me interesting it's been a long journey for me. yeah because i feel like that's the thing with our education system it gives you like a tiny bit of information mostly whitewashed information yeah. so if you you are not yeah. of an inquisitive mind and you just accept that information, then you never actually go on that unlearning journey. It requires, like you said, you were like, wait a second, that doesn't sound right. And then you had to go and do your extra reading and research. So yeah. it, like, it requires, yeah. I think, quite a lot of us as Black people because we get the information and then we have to, of our own volition, go and do more reading, do more research and choose to kind of take that path. Yeah. Um, so just kind of staying a little bit, I guess it's kind of on the theme of spirituality, but bringing it more onto like mental health. Unfortunately, we live in a, in a society that doesn't really make a lot of space for men to uh, be vulnerable, to talk about their mental health, to talk about even just wellness, health and wellness in general. 
Um, and that's definitely changing and there's people doing a lot of good work on that. You know, I know like on your podcast and on your Instagram and stuff, you'll talk pretty openly about wellness and stuff like that. So I wanted to know, like, do you feel like you have had a particular like journey to improving your mental health or is this something that's just happened naturally as you've grown? Oh, I think there's definitely been like catalysts. Um, I, I think, I feel like a lot the, when I describe my younger self, I feel like I'm describing the average Ghanaian male, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I think I was definitely there was a lot of influences from like toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, you know, boys are not supposed to cry, that type of thing. I was talking with my friend recently and um she asked me when was the last time I cried? I was like, I have no idea. Mm. And I feel like it was years and years ago. What? And it's not, yeah, and it's not like um I never get sad or anything. I just have reached a point or I reached a point years ago where it's like i just cannot cry i think i was like 13 or something the last time i cried wow yeah, it's, it's like, so baked into you that that's not something that men do exactly wow. exactly so it's like when i'm sad i just kind of like suppress it and just like it's like it's cool you know suppress it move on yeah so a- again the unlearning and the relearning comes in again so um i think now i've become i'm definitely changing i'm becoming a lot more open um to talking about my you know, my feelings, my emotions, mental health and all that type of thing. Like, for example, this conversation maybe four years ago would have been impossible for me to mm-hmm. have, you know, because I just yeah. want to talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah, like, even, like, through, like you said, through the podcast, through just talking to people who are more in tune with their their emotions and, you know, mm-hmm. more understanding of their mental health, I think it just helps, it helps me. Yeah. Um. Just like interrogate why I feel a certain way about certain things and understand that, you know, what I thought before was not necessarily right. Right. You know, right. so yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. And yeah, like you said, is the changes are really important. Changes in attitudes towards um men's mental health in Ghana amongst Ghanaian men is very, very important. So I think there's a difference now, for sure. People are more open to crying and that sort of thing, but there's still a lot of work to be done. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, there is, there is. And I I do feel like even if there's, you know, someone who's listening to this conversation, I feel like even just hearing you being willing to answer these questions will definitely help to change perceptions and also to make people think like, oh, it's okay to talk about these things. Um, but I wonder, do you have any ideas of what more we can do to make it safe and to encourage men to be able to talk about their challenges, to be able to talk about their feelings, to be able to open up about their mental health? Yeah. Um, so this, I guess this goes for both women and men, because I mean, men could try to open up to anyone. It could be anyone. They they would try to talk to even family, mm-hmm. like parents and all those family members, everyone here. So I think something that we do a lot is, oh, it's not that deep, you know? And I think that invalidates mm. people's struggles because maybe to you it's not deep, but then, yeah, to someone else, that's, you know, it's an insane thing. And it's, it was very hard for them, especially for men, it's very hard for yeah. them to open up. So if a man opens up to you about something, yeah. you're like, bro, really? It's not that deep. Like, let's be serious. 
yeah that's that i think that's that could be very very damaging so i think that's something that needs to change and i would say yeah. let me see what else you know just encouraging people because sometimes people have things on their minds and sometimes just asking a question like are you okay like how's everything you know mm-hmm. those can make people feel welcome to expressing how they feel yeah that is so true yeah. I think it's, it's really small things. Like That's what I've realized. It's small things, easy things, but we just have to be yeah. alert and aware to do these things. And it makes safe spaces for people, especially like mm-hmm. like you said, for men to um, come out and just, you know, just be comfortable to be who they want to be. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. That phrase is not that deep. Yeah. Like it's, it, it could do so much damage. Exactly. That one phrase. Exactly is yeah we definitely need to stop saying that except for in situations where it's very clearly actually not that deep you know let's fast forward to like a hundred (laughs) years and your just your descendants are talking about you like they're calling your Mm -hmm. name they're saying like our zoo was so great because of this, this, and this. What What yeah. is it that you want them to be saying? What do you want people to remember about you long, long after you've left? That's a good question. Um, honestly, uh, I would say I would want them to remember me for my empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also... I just want to be remembered as like someone who did kind of did what he wanted to do, you know, mm. within reason, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, because I think with, with all these things that we just mentioned, all of them started f- with me just like, oh, I want to try this. Let me see how this works. And then I tried mm. it. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Because there's other things I've tried that didn't work out. But like, it's calm. That's life. You know, some things work, some things don't. So I just I also want to be remembered as someone who um, did what he wanted to do. And I also will hope that that inspires people to also do what they want yeah. to do. Because I think yeah. a problem that a lot of people have is they kind of overthink. It's like, oh, what if it doesn't work? What if people don't yeah. like it? You know, I do my podcast and nobody listens to it. Like we all have, I had all these thoughts as well, you know, but like sometimes you just have to just take the leap if it works excellent if it doesn't at least you tried you know yeah yeah i definitely want to be remembered that way and also of course like as a kind hearted person you know very funny (laughs) like a hundred years from (laughs) now not even just funny very funny yeah very funny (laughs) like in a hundred years you'll listen to even though the jokes are a hundred years old like that man was funny you know (laughs) (laughs) that's how people to remember me okay okay that's good. I think you're on the way. I think you're on the way. No, that's good. I'm, I'm glad. So can we expect anything new from you? Or are you focusing on these three major areas? Or, you know, is there anything coming up that we should look out for? Um, yeah, for now, I'm definitely just focusing on what I'm doing now because it's very, very um, involving, you know. Um but don't rule anything out, though, because like I said, I think I'm at the point in my life where if I feel if something interests me and I feel like, oh, let me try this, I'll definitely try it, you know, just to see yeah. if it works. So 
Um, okay. For now, any new things I do will be within the things I'm doing already. But you never know. Um, okay. If something comes up, I'll definitely try it. Okay, so watch this space. Yes, watch this space. Okay, so um, please let the listeners know where they can find you, where they can follow you and connect with your work. Okay, so my personal page, I think I'm, I am on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at ZooTG. Um, if you want to follow me for my vegan journey in Accra and in Ghana, follow the Ghanaian vegan on um instagram and tiktok and on youtube yeah the ghanian vegan uh and for the podcast is stay by plan pod um everywhere stay by plan pod so yeah it's easy to find me and i'm very responsive so yeah just hit me up if you need to talk okay i'll share all of that in the show notes as well are you guys gonna do a live show again soon for stay by plan um, yeah, there's definitely plans to do that. We just need to find um, the right location and, you know, that type of thing. You know, we want it to be a, yeah. like a, a worthwhile experience for people who come through. But yeah, for sure, we're planning on doing something in person because people okay. have been asking for it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that would be great. I'll definitely be there. Yes, please do. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. So thank you for your honesty. Thank you for the pieces of of advice you shared as well. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was fun. As always, thank you so much for listening and don't forget to subscribe. If you learned something valuable today, then please don't keep it to yourself. Share the love by leaving a rating or review and tell a friend. You can connect with me over on Instagram at araba.oa and I hope to see you back here for the next episode. In the meantime, keep drinking from the source.